Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude in Whitestone, Queens, I'm Mario Francisco Robles. And live, pre or not live, recorded. We record these things, guys. I don't know if you knew this. This is breaking news. We record these things, and I'm recording from my home bat office in Long Island, New York. I'm Brett Miro, and this is episode 170 of the Fanboy Podcast. Wow. Wow. I've been doing this show a long time now, and you've been on here, what, now, for at least the last, like, 20, 30 episodes or so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, we've been at this a while, Bretterson. And uh, we got some great stuff to talk about this week, but I want to start where, where we usually start. What have you been watching or playing since last we spoke, Mr. Brett Thomas Miro? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Um, I have been enjoying season two of The White Lotus on HBO. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know anything about this show. It's kind I've of like heard a dark of it. I comedy. Heard. I guess it's yeah, a dark comedy um i guess it's like satire satirizing like just like rich vapid white people um and <laughs> oh uh, good it, it's great and it's kind of like doing like the anthology thing so the first season was like a different cast there's been like one character who's carried over which is um jennifer coolidge uh he was like you know from all the christopher guest movies yeah, 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 i know Chris, you probably I, most I know, know, know her coolidge. as stifler's mom yep um yep. she's by the way like one of the funniest human beings on the planet she just is she's amazing her delivery <laughs> yeah. is like so weird and i love it but um so yeah she's been the only like carryover from like the first season and it basically the whole the whole show kind of revolves around like it takes place like over the course of a week at like one of these resorts uh, that's like a company, you know, called the White Lotus. Like it's like a sandals, you know what I mean? But they have all these worldwide resorts and it starts off in the first episode of each season. Like so far, it starts off. You, you see a body not identifiable yet, but of someone dies and then it just cuts to a week earlier. And then you there's like some things that go on. And it's not like a murder mystery necessarily. Like that's not, but like you just know that that's coming and like you're seeing everything fits together. But it's hard. It's like I, I wouldn't call it like a murder mystery though, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. I don't know. Like that's not like the main focal point, but it's there. And it's just more yeah. like watching people. It's got a very fly on the wall kind of, uh, you know, um, vibe to it where you're okay. just watching like just weird shit. And it's great. Um, Michael Imperioli's <laughs> in this season. Which is ah. nice to see him out of like re- yes. retirement, semi-retirement. Um, and uh, my my wife says constantly that he looks like a vampire, and the more she says it, I'm like, he, he does kind of look like a vampire in his old age now. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that show's been great. I've uh, I've been watching uh, the second season. It's been very really, really enjoyable. We started Wednesday on Netflix. Ah, which is- yes. So you you added to the record-breaking numbers there for that. I did um yeah it's pretty it's pretty good we like it it's uh it's you know it's not setting like the world on fire for me but it's it's fun it's pretty good um you know it's definitely got like it's got a little gore it's definitely it's not r-rated you know but it's more like higher end pg-13 there's a little bit of the cw in there but it it, kind of seems like a it reminds me more of like superman and lois like it's a step above the cw level okay it has some of the trappings but it definitely has like a better budget and uh you know uh all that good stuff so that show's been pretty pretty fun and that's actually funny enough that show is almost like this murder mystery uh kind of thing and uh the lead jenna ortega who plays wednesday she's great like the deadpanness and just like how macabre the character is it's really cool yeah. also there's uh christina ricci in a fun little nod to the old i don't movies is in yeah. this not wednesday that's cool yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's cool and uh yeah she's good so uh, I've been enjoying those. And then uh, just to follow up, because I think I mentioned it last time, 
but uh, I have rolled credits on God of War Ragnarok. Already? Wow. Already. I burned yeah. through that. I mean, I shouldn't even say burned. I did a lot of side quests. Like My clock's like maybe close to 50 hours, and I'm technically not done. There's more stuff yeah. I can do. Yeah. Um, it's just mostly little collectibles and stuff like that. I did like all the big stuff, but, uh, wow, that, um, that's a, that's a video game, man. <laughs> that is yeah, like, yeah. what a beautiful story. Um, the, you know, the writing, I, I, I was bragging about it the whole time. The, the writing's incredible. Uh, this, the, the technical feat of the game is incredible. It's a beautiful game. Um, like I said, the story is just very emotional. Um, uh, the jokes are great. They land like almost everything works. Um, they're not like the MC. I'm going to throw a little MCU shade, but like they know how to just like let a, let a, a, a dramatic moment or like a big revelation, like sit for a second and take a beat and not immediately run off into a quip. Um, and there oh, actually nice. are a couple of examples where they do that. And it's hard to like put my exact finger on it, but like they just do it better than how they've done it in the Marvel movies. Like they, they just know to give like the extra beat or like when to do it. And they do it right. If that makes sense. Like there is a way to do it and not be obnoxious with it. And they like nailed it. Um, yeah. I can't recommend this game enough. I mean, definitely play the first game. You'll get such the through line between, cause like they decided not to do a trilogy cause they didn't want like a big weight. He's basically like, I don't want it to be like 15 years until you guys get like, the third part of this this trilogy because like it takes like three to four years to make these games so like they didn't want to do that so they said we're just going to make the second one huge and it's going to be a, a duology i guess so um nice. okay. you know definitely there's a through line that comes through and but like it's amazing like listen i've said it before like the future of storytelling or at least like a big path for the future of storytelling is in games um, there are just things and ways to connect with these characters that you can't do on tv and film and like it just shows you like, listen, I mean, Sony has the money. You got to have the money and the talent. But when you have the money and the talent, you know, it's like Sony games are like HBO. It's not TV. It's HBO. Like, <laughs> yeah, listen, yeah. Listen, and listen, I like Ubisoft games. I play Assassin's Creed. They're very big and epic in scale. And like they put so much effort and listen, like Valhalla Origins, the last couple have been like really phenomenal for content. But like when you play God of War, you're like, oh, I'm playing like something a little. Yeah, it's elevated. It really is. It's elevated. And uh, yeah, just like, I, I can't believe how many feelings this game made me have. Like, um, shed a tear. I laugh. Oh, like a hearty yeah. laugh. Like, not just like, oh, that was cute. Like, yeah. you know, there's little cute moments too. But there was like some really genuinely funny stuff. There mm -hmm. was a late, uh, late game twist that I did not see coming. And I haven't had that happen in a really long time. Like, it was like a sixth sense, like, come to, come to God moment, where it was like, he's been dead the whole time. It wasn't a, a death thing, but, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. this twist happened, and I was like, oh, I, didn't, I just didn't even think of that and it was it fucking got me and it, it yeah. feels good when like a piece of media does that and like you weren't spoiled and i wasn't watching like every fucking trailer picking it apart i saw like the first trailer and i said i'm good i don't need to know anything else about this game i have to commend the marketing team and the pr team for just having restraint because they really did not show shit like this game was full of so many surprises yeah. and i just haven't you know i feel like i haven't had that experience necessarily in a, in a, in a couple of years um, so oh, it's up there for my game of the year. Um, wow. but, I, but coming in late in the year to take the late year, in the year huh? to come in for it. But, uh, I also didn't play Elden Ring. So I know people are going for that one. I didn't play it. It's not really my style of game. So whatever, if that wins, I'm sure probably will. Good. And, uh, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, God of War 
Uh, yeah, the other game that is for my game of the year is Tunic, which I talked about a couple months oh, yeah, ago. Yeah. That was yep. like the Zelda like that just had this mm-hmm. like uh, story you had to figure out, and you had to figure out how to play the game through looking at this like esoteric instruction booklet. Uh, really, really cool concept, and like I never had an experience like that before. So I'm like torn right now because like it's the big blockbuster that that it was like end game, you know, like it fed me, it gave me the big epic grand scale battle and all the characters, and it was just like on another level. But then also like Tunic gave me this, you know, that's an experience I've had before, but like they did it really good in God of War. Tunic gave me this experience that like I have not had like maybe ever, and kind of gave me this like real childhood joy of like discovering and like learning the language of a game that i haven't had in a while so i'm torn between who gets my game of the year but that's kind of like i think who's going to battle it out uh so nice. obviously i i can't mm-hmm. gush enough about the game not without its issues got some pacing yeah. issues here and there it's a big story some you know the threads get a little dropped or not really fully explained that well but for the most part what a what an incredible journey um kudos to that to that team sony santa monica because whoo that's a good game if you got a it's on PS4 and PS5 too. So if you weren't lucky enough to get a PS5, you can play it on PS4. And, and I understand that the game runs very well on PS4 and, and still looks gorgeous. So, you yeah. know, my wife offered, <clears throat> my wife offered to get me a. I can't PS5. hear you. Are you on mute? No. Oh. Can you hear me now? I cannot hear you at all. You cannot hear me at all. Oh, hold on. That's my fault, I think. Yeah, you know, Brett. So I'm going to go ahead and keep talking then. I got gotcha. you. You keep okay, talking. Okay, good. I got gotcha. you. So, Something happened. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now I've completely lost my train of thought. So this is good. The show has now come derailed. So uh, it is what it is. Yeah. So look, I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you what I've been uh, watching and playing, and maybe somewhere along the way I'll remember what it was I was going to tell you. But Very for good. now, uh, since we last saw each other. Uh, I finished Andor, so we're going to be talking about that see that season finale in a couple of. Weeks. I as well, yes. Yes, I also managed to binge the uh, three part documentary series on HBO Max called Low Country: The Murdoff Family. Uh, it, it it's right in that true crime genre I love very much. There's murder and mayhem and mystery and the unraveling of a formerly untouchable, rich powerful family that not only fell from grace but has fallen into one of the most bizarre news stories of the last 10 years so low country the murdoch murder the murdoch family on hbo max totally worth your time i've also been keeping up on tales from the territories and gaming wise i have been playing the legend of zelda skyward sword remake with my son the HD remake. I know you love that one. I know that's one of your faves. So uh, I do like that yeah. one a lot, even though a lot of people don't. Well, but the story is really good. The story is really good. And I kind of feel like we're flying through it. It's funny. My son is now getting really good with Zelda. He's eight and he's kind of <laughs> turned a corner in his gaming. So now I can like let him run loose for longer you know, swaths of the game without me having to step in and, and solve it for him. You know, right. uh, so we're having a lot of fun with Skyward Sword. And, uh, yeah, aside from that, I really haven't been playing anything else. And I really just want to start talking to you about Andor a little bit. So season one has come to a close. It was a riveting, powerful ending to season one there. 
And uh, look, you know, his mom had passed away in episode 11. And the big mystery was, would he come back to Ferrix for the funeral? And right now there's all this mystery and suspense because it looks like Luthien and the people, you know, uh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård character, Stellan Skarsgård's character, they, <laughs> they want him killed off because he's a loose end who could tie them all to Alemanni. But then you have the Empire who wants to get him and question him and all that. So you have these two competing forces out looking for him and you have the people of you know, of Ferrix themselves, you know, working to try to keep him in the shadows and you're trying to figure out who you can trust and who you can't trust. And, you know, it, it really played to that whole sort of spy genre. That's sort of, you know, the, the, the espionage and the sneaking around and who can you trust element of a, of a good espionage story. And, uh, then we get the big thing at the end after credits. But before I, you know, how did you feel about the Andor uh, season finale where we left off here on season one? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, we already like kn knew a season two is coming. Like, I think they shot yeah. them almost like together. So it's it's like, all right. So, yeah, this is a good place, I think, to, to cut, you know, take a break with the story. Um, you know, it, it was... Uh, I think like the couple of episodes leading up to this final episode were like so thrilling and exciting, like since like the prison break and everything. So yeah. um, this one was like a little more restrained, even though they did have like the big, you kind of saw the first spark of the rebellion, like these little mini uprisings that were starting yeah. to happen in this. So I thought that was a, a cool touch. You know, I think we mentioned last time, like that this has just been looking at like such a small pocket of just like people like you know and we haven't really like seen that before um has been really awesome though yeah to see like this like little like uprising uh you know i think when they played her um she left her like hologram a hologram thing yeah you know, her hologram yeah, yeah, recording yeah. and like she's yeah she fucking was like nah fuck fight. These yeah fight. Fight. yeah i was in my living room going fight yeah. <laughs> that was really cool um so yeah I, I overall i thought you know this was like an amazing season of television um, yep. An amazing direction for Star Wars, uh, you know, and then we got a, we got, a, we got like, another season. Yeah. Yeah. And gave us like characters and beats and things that are kind of unexpected that we care about. Like, you know, I'm really invested in that Bix character and what they put her through really kind of yeah. hurt me. And I want to know more about her. It probably helps that she's gorgeous but yeah. you know I, I i'm really into bix i'm really into that guy who got fired from the empire but now you know he's been like obsessed with trying to get back and solve this case and he's, he seems to be infatuated with uh with that woman whatever her name is yeah uh, and he saved her there at the end like i want to see where that's going what is the payoff for all that you know yeah that's been a that's lot of time interesting yeah yeah like we've been following at, at home with his overbearing mom and all this other stuff and it's like we haven't really seen where that's going yet you know i feel like there, there must be saving that for season two because it's like a new character have. type and character arc that we haven't yeah. seen in star wars and maybe i don't think you maybe you don't see that too much in television general like we're like you get like this little personal story of like you know someone who's on like the bad the wrong side the bad side you know yeah um so yeah it's Take been it really cool it. like a lot of the side threads have been really good uh luthien's been like a pretty uh dope character yeah that quick monologue uh well i don't know if a monologue a little speech you know when he was talking to the uh the double agent yeah who didn't who was, wanted you know, out cool to touch upon really quick the double agent yeah. that wanted out and i was like another like thing we haven't really seen and and yeah. you know the toll it's taken on him and then luthien has that that big thing you know and he, he does the does the thanos <laughs> what does it cost me everything, everything. 
but yeah. but he you know Stellan Skarsgård's a fucking pro, so he delivered it yeah. like a boss, and it like really yeah. was impactful. Yeah, how amazing! Speaking of impactful, the scene where Luthien now gets back to his ship at the end, the closing scene, where now he finds that Andor, the guy he was there supposedly to kill or capture, is actually there on the ship and yeah. gives him the gun as if to say like listen if you want me you can kill me but i'd rather you train me but those are the two options you know either i'm I, i'm enlisting or you kill me right here i either way those are the only options i'm interested in so the fact that like andor by the end of this cassian felt like i need to be a part of this rebellion you know because he's had a little bit right. of a, a you know, almost like that Han Solo type of arc where it's like I'm yeah. in or I'm out and I'm not sure I want to be involved. I definitely have feelings and opinions about what's going on, but I don't really want to get any skin in the game. You know, I want to be a mercenary, a cool guy on the outer rim of things. But at, at least at this point in his arc, he's like he's bought into what's gone on. He's been inspired by what his mother, the, his adoptive mother said in her sort of closing message there. And he's decided he wants to pledge his allegiance to whatever this uprising is. So I'm excited to see how that goes, because I don't know. I haven't seen Rogue One in a couple of years. But yeah. if memory serves, even in that one, he's not quite sure if he wants to get involved in the cause. I mean, ultimately, he does. But I, if, I, if memory serves in the beginning, he's still kind of like a hired mercenary type where you're not sure how you feel about him until he decides he's all in. So it's just interesting to know that at the end of season one, he seems all in. But by the time we get to Rogue One, he maybe is on the outs. You know, or something. there's going to be some sort of twist in this yeah. because we know that by the time Rogue One comes, he's not some like devout, member of the rebel cause he's still kind of on the periphery of things so it's going to be interesting to yeah. see how they write that and you know where yeah. where his uh, art goes i say? hope they do write that because just like i hope they're not like just like finagling things because they're like well we're retrofitting this so we're just gonna fucking hope people don't notice like i hope <laughs> they do address that and yeah. but it's an interesting thing like you know you know they started to address it a bit in uh episode in the last jedi you know, uh, with um, Benicio Del Toro's character, like, you know, both sides are not great. So I wonder yeah. if it's going to be more of that thing where he discovers, oh, the resistance got a lot of fucking issues also. And yeah. uh, they're not exactly who they say they are. And we've seen a couple of examples of that, I think, in some of the newer Star Wars stuff. And I think they yeah. could go that route, which would kind of put him maybe on the back burner again before he decides he wants to like go full force you know in rogue one yeah and, you know when that when that arrives so yeah it's it's interesting but they, yeah, they've been doing just so much cool exciting stuff and uh i'm obviously super looking forward to, to season two like because yeah uh, and then what... by the way there was the big like tease the big reveal tease at the end of the credits remember out of all 12 episodes of andor the finale was the only one that had a post-credit sequence. Come to think right. of it, it might be the only Star Wars anything that's had a post-credit sequence, right? Like, I don't yeah, think, I think Mandalorian right. ever did. The movies never have. So Andor Season 1, Episode 12, is a complete anomaly in the Star Wars media where it actually has one of those little post-credit teases at the end. And what this one revealed, listen, it isn't a spoiler anymore. The show came out over a week ago, so you cannot get mad at us. It teased, it revealed that the Death Star is what they were building in the prison. All right. We see the Death Star is getting built and constructed together in outer space. And uh, 
did you see that coming? Because I totally did. During the prison sequences, when they're building that all that stuff over and over again, and that you know that they're doing it on every floor and they're building something massive, yeah. I right away went I'm like, these guys are the slave labor that are building the Death Star. Right. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could say I was that smart. I don't think I immediately recognized that. I mean, like I, I figured I'm like they're building Imperial Star Destroyers or doing something like I knew it was like, obviously, like they're building that they, this is a slave lever that they use to like build all the shit. And like, that's why they have all this like military might. But yeah, I actually don't think I made the connection to that star until it happened. So I was like, oh, okay. duh, like this is yeah. a prequel again. I had to like remind myself, you know, that's the thing, too. I should say, like the, the show is so. Like, I, we know it's a prequel, obviously, and, like, there's some characters in there, blah, 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 blah. But it's so, like, just isolated and in its own world that, like, I almost forgot, like, it was connected to all the other shit because I was just watching <laughs> Little Rebellion. Yeah. So, I mean, and in, in a way, I feel like kudos to the show for that, that, like, I just got very caught up in what was going on here. And I wasn't even thinking about, like, really the big picture stuff because it was such an intimate story. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, all in all, I'm I'm very excited for where they're going. I'm very excited for what they've showed us thus far. Um, I have a question. Yeah, go for it. Do you think in season two we will get to see Andy Circus again? Because we didn't see him yeah. jump off the prison. He can't swim. Can't we assume swim. he stayed there. Also, like that wasn't the only prison on that planet, weren't there? Like many other of those like weird Yeah, there were several things. of those little floating. So I wonder islands. if season two might have something to do with maybe going back and saving the rest of the people, or they try yeah. to like do another hit there to slow down the Death Star construction or yeah. something. Uh, yeah, I wonder I wonder how that's all gonna shake down. But like, yeah, I wonder yeah. I wanna see what happened to Andy Circus. I mean, like we could just assume like he got pulled in by the remaining guards and they just like zap the shit out of him. But you know, <laughs> no, he that, got uh, out. I, I swear yeah. we're going to see him. We're going to see him. And yeah. he becomes Emperor Snoke, you know, because he doesn't yes. voice Snoke. So th becomes... th th this is his Imagine origin. Imagine they story. do that. Like they're like, we're putting you into the stupid Snoke body. And like they just do it. But like that means they were making Snokes before the original trilogy. No, and the it Snoke seemed work. like a later thing. Work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, remember when they had this interesting character called Snoke and yeah. then they just fucking murdered him in the second movie yep. and then made him into a weird dead limp well, clone body? In a joke? It's not they, it's Ryan Johnson, who I still have a bone to pick. And by the way, the, the grand irony of it all is one of the big issues that I had with last year, which I know you enjoyed it. You know, you and I, we are on opposite ends of the fence when it comes Yeah, to I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm nitpicking the, the yeah. Snoke thing. Yeah, 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 listen, yeah. it's not without its issues. I've always admitted but, that there have been issues, but I, I liked it. Yeah, but one of the things that came through with Ryan Johnson's attempts at what he was trying to do with episode eight was he wanted to make like an anti-war Star Wars movie. He wanted a movie that was kind of political in nature, that had something to say, that had some you know, social political relevancy. He was trying to use that galaxy far, far away to tell a story that perhaps has a little more relevance to real life things. And that's why like Andor is exactly the type of show, the, the, exactly the type of Star Wars story Ryan Johnson probably would have loved to have told. And I've always said he should have just waited. They should have waited and given him an episode one of a whole new franchise to do this with. But to do what he tried to do in, in the penultimate episode, right before this thing ends in episode nine, I think he totally kind of just screwed the pooch there. And that's one of the reasons why The Rise of Skywalker was the uh, mess that it was. But 
That's just my thing. You know, Andor is exactly the type of Star Wars that Ryan Johnson seems to want to make. So I guess I wonder, do you think it would be best for him rather than trying to launch some new trilogy? Would you be down for like a Ryan Johnson Star Wars series on Disney Plus? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny you said, too. I think it was not like a week ago. I remember he was like in an article or something and like someone, I think, asked him about the Star Wars thing. And he's like, it's not getting me right now. But he's like, I hope I still get to like play in there. And I'm like, they hate yeah. you now. They're never going to let you back. They in. Hate you. Um, you're, you're the Zack Snyder of Star Wars now. Um, <laughs> you have to go you know. and subvert expectations and be all. Yeah. Weird. What are you doing? All that yeah. subversion. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I would be excited. Listen, Ryan Johnson is a very talented uh, creative and um listen like whether you liked it or not the dude had balls to try something different something that yeah uh, not many of the other directors in star wars have really had you know the balls to do um yeah. even john favreau who i love you know still fell into the 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 trap of leaning back on some nostalgia um even though i love pretty much most of all the tv shows that he's been involved in which is like all the new ones you know with yeah. you know like some of them weren't as good so yep. even he got sucked in by that. Like like Ryan Johnson was like, nah, I'm swinging for the fences. And like, you know, especially like just to bring back real quick, like to God of War, like I appreciated that story so much because they did swing for the fences and they took some really big chances and did some really cool different shit. And they didn't wrap, they wrapped everything up neatly, but like they let some tattered ends kind of hang around and it was yeah. it's uh you know with being vague because i don't want to spoil anything of that story but like you know it, that's the stuff that like gets me excited and you know gets me like my juice is flowing so yeah like i respect ryan johnson and listen yeah. these knives out movies i like the first one the second one i think just came out i'm hearing it's good i haven't seen it yet so the guy listen the guy has some chops he knows what he's doing the guy's got chops, and I think maybe the TV medium would be better for what he wants to do. I think Andor has kind of shown the value of like a long-form, deep dive into something in the Star Wars galaxy that actually has something to say. You right. know, I love seeing the little correlations and the little things. Like, you know, for me, the 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 way the Empire reacts to the theft on Alemani. Uh, is totally you can correlate that to what happened with the United States government after the 9-11 attacks where, OK, we've been attacked and now this gives us carte blanche to do whatever we want. We're going to enact the uh, Patriot Act and now you no more privacy and no more freedom of anything. It's going to increase our ability to just arrest people for whatever we decide seems to be enough just cause to arrest them like there's so many correlations with the way the empire responded and the way the the government responded to the 9-11 attacks to use that like look we've been hurt so now we can just step on your throat forever and we're going right. to say it's in the in the name of your freedom and the name of your safety but really now we just we own you uh, so anyway, it just I, I love that the show is filled with stuff where like this could be an earthbound story. If you were to just simplify the story, you know, this is a story of oppressed people and rebellion and revolution. And this stuff has happened here in real life several times over the course of human history. So I just love that Andor is the most human Star Wars story we've gotten, even though it's set way out in, you know, fantasy land, you know. Right. But um, OK. Enough gushing about the wonders of Andor. Let's get into the Superman on film update for December the 2nd, 2022. Ooh. So there's a couple things to talk about. Uh, there's things to be worried about. 
There's things to think about. So let's just dive into them. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, about a few days ago on his Instagram, he uh, had some interesting things. He, he, he posted a video where he's just speaking directly like in selfie camera mode, kind of reflecting on what it took to get Henry Cavill back as Superman. And uh, I'm going to read you some of what he said. It has been transcribed, and I think it's interesting and definitely pertinent to the Superman on film update. So he says, we have to bring back the most powerful, unstoppable force of all time in any universe. And you guys know who I'm talking about. Of course, that is Superman, and that's Henry Cavill. This has been years in the making regarding bringing Henry Cavill back and years of strategic conversations, and we were not going to take no for an answer. There was no way, there's no viable, logical way that you can attempt to build out the DC universe without the most powerful force and the greatest superhero of all time sitting on the sidelines. It's impossible to do. It all comes back to where Superman, you have to have Superman in the mix. So that's why we fought hard to bring Superman back. Henry Cavill, and there was no other Superman, by the way. To bring back Henry Cavill is our generation Superman. In my opinion, the greatest Superman. And I mean that respectfully for the other actors, especially Christopher Reeve, but the greatest Superman of all time. He would go on to characterize Warner Brothers' uh, decision to not want to bring him back. He would call it inexplicable and inexcusable that Warner Brothers didn't want to bring Henry back. So this is something I've talked about here on this show, including in recent weeks, where it seems to just confirm the fact that Walter Hamada's Warner Brothers did not want anything to do with Henry Cavill Superman. And under his watch, it was just not going to happen. Johnson fought and fought and fought and used the discovery, the Warner Brothers discovery regime change to bring about the Henry Cavill return and that cameo as Superman. So before I move on to the next part of this, I just want to ask you, Brett, like, what do you think about what, what Mr. Johnson says here about this, about how integral Superman is to an interconnected DC universe and the fact that Henry Cavill is the greatest Superman ever? What do you think? <laughs> well, I think I know how you feel about him being the greatest <laughs> Superman ever. But um, listen, he's he's my Superman, uh, you know, for, for me. Although I've, I've yeah, listened to Tyler, I, we know Tyler is really your Superman. Tyler Hoagland is actually kind of really my Superman, <laughs> but yeah. I really like Henry Cavill a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like it, it's interesting. Like you said, Dick, you reported on this. You talked about it for like a very long time about how they yeah. didn't want him back. And now we got the confirmation. They didn't want him back. They thought he was, he was bad juju, you know, with all the other bullshit going on with that studio. And yeah, yeah I think they, like we talked about it, uh, ad nauseum right i yeah. think they wanted to back away from that snyder thing and they just wanted to keep the couple people that worked and because henry cavill's superman movie was divisive and the other one's divisive they said he's not good anymore he's not box office material um so you know listen i think the rock is uh being a really generous guy taking henry cavill under his wing obviously they have the connection his ex-wife is the what same manager or agent yeah. manager um so yeah so i mean like you know i it's amazing. He's definitely he's stepped up for Henry Cavill's career. Like he's making his career right now, and like you know, I don't want to say saving it because Cavill's been doing very well. He's got a couple of hit franchises. He's doing good, but he's he's really uh, being very generous to him. 
He's being uh, very generous. Because here's the thing. Yeah. I agree. I think Henry can be this generation Superman. But unfortunately, he hasn't he has yet to appear in something that was just a runaway hit and universally loved. Yeah. You know, it, it hasn't happened yet, including with Black Adam. You know, uh, it, it, it's it's this is something I talked about last week. Just a quick plug, by the way, I appeared on the Vigilante 1938 podcast last week for a special convened podcast with some several several other wonderful cats talking about Superman and his future and Henry's return and all that kind of stuff. And one of the points I made there is it's such a bummer that he had he, he just he almost seems cursed. Anytime Henry has suited up as Superman, it's been for something that's ended up being either divisive or rejected in some way, you know, because Man of Steel, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've definitely evolved on that movie and there's a lot of that movie I love and there's a lot that I'll defend forever now. But Man of Steel was real. It, it got a bit of a divisive response and the box office wasn't what Warner Brothers had hoped. And we know that movie to this day is something people are still fighting about the killing of Zod and the destruction porn and yada, yada, yada. So that was his debut was something that we're already right out of the gate. We're kind of like, uh, I like right. it, but mm. then we go to Batman versus Superman, which I don't need to get back into that again. We know what that movie was and did and how we're still trying to recuperate from that six years later. Then there was the two different versions of Justice League, whether you like the theatrical cut, which was ultimately, you know, we were talking about his freaking mangled CG face <laughs> and how even if you thought it was a decent movie i think we can all agree that was not the justice league movie that people spent most of their lives waiting to see and that in nah. the golden age of superhero movies that theatrical justice league you know it just it you know it, it just it wasn't it that wasn't it and then we see him again in the alternate cut in Zack snyder's justice league and there I think he came off great. And I actually, you know, I, we've talked about this, but I loved Zack Snyder's Justice League. To me, that really is Snyder's magnum opus. To me, I love that story. And, and had there been a way to continue down that path as an Elseworld hail, as an HBO Max miniseries injected into my veins, I love it. But at the end of the day, we know Zack Snyder's Justice League was also, you know, for those who saw it, it was still divisive. It was still, you know, it's Zack Snyder and, 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 that that fans have a very interesting relationship with his creative choices, you know. And in both cuts, Superman really got the short shrift. He got like just in that part of the time. story. Yeah, he had very little screen time. We didn't really get to see him like be a part of the team. Like he just came to like sit, you know, punch a bunch of people at the end. Yeah, um, and you know, it was go like I said, it was a good plan. It was going in the right direction, but yeah. it's still didn't like you know uh you and know, really wasn't though, the if we're going back to the nightmare sequence and superman's trying yeah. to kill and exterminate yeah. fellow justice league members like was it really i don't know but either way like you know so through the all four of those movie appearances he's made there's been some level of controversy and issue then even with black adam which you know at, at first i thought this thing was going to be a runaway success and that's one thing i talked about on the vigilante 1938 that i was wisely corrected on 
that trying to expect Black Adam to perform like Venom did is really kind of unfair because Venom really was a very beloved character and very well known in pop culture for a very long time. You know, it's kind of like making a Joker movie. You know what I mean? He's like he's Spider-Man's everyone's favorite Spider-Man villain. Yeah. So perhaps the more apropos comparison would be Deadpool. Deadpool was very, very unknown to the mainstream before his movie came out and made like, you know, over $700 million at the box office while only only costing like 66 million bucks to make, you know, so Black Adam didn't even touch that Black Adam is probably going to barely limp past 400 million. So it is a box office disappointment now in the rearview mirror and it was rotten on the tomatometer. And in general, even though it'd be even people like me who enjoyed it know that it wasn't really a great, great movie. And I can kind of understand the people who were like, uh, that kind of sucked, you know. So Henry has not yet appeared in a movie that was just a win, win, win anywhere. It hasn't happened yet. So with that in mind and going back to Johnson's quote, like, was it really inexcusable? You know, was it really inexplicable that the former regime would be like, maybe we just need to kind of go back to the drawing board with Superman, you know? So just breaking down his quote, you know, I just kind of wanted to go there and bring us to this question now about is this return even really happening? Because (laughs) something that's come up in the last week or two is that Henry has not yet actually signed the new deal. It's like conversations were had, the cameo was shot, David Zaslav and the Warner Brothers Discovery crew are apparently, you know, mile high on getting a Superman movie into production. But the hiring of James Gunn and Peter Safran kind of like puts a pause on everything because they are currently coming up with the plan. Nothing is set in stone yet. That's something that James Gunn has been saying a lot across social media. Anytime some hack uh scooper or some website post an, an article talking about what the next superman movie is going to be like he pops up be like really because there's only two people who know what's happening next and it's me and peter so right. anyone telling you what something is going to be like is literally just lying to you or has been lied to um so with that in mind Peter and James are currently coming up with the plan for the next 10 years. And Henry doesn't currently have a deal. So there is still like this possibility that they decide to go in a direction and tell a story that doesn't involve Henry. You know, I, I, and I, 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 there's the part of me that wants to feel like that's just, you know, devil's advocate type stuff. There wouldn't have been all of that positive press for Henry's return and coverage from Deadline and the Hollywood Reporter and Variety and the 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 podcast interview with MTV's Josh Horowitz. Like, I don't think any of that happened unless there really is an expectation for more Henry Cavill Superman. But the fact that no one has signed a deal yet and Gunn and Safran are still formulating what the hell is going to happen next. It makes me a little nervous that all of this hype in the last month, all of this stuff that happened was really just Johnson and Garcia and their team 
trying to force Warner Brothers Discovery's hand and trying to be like, no, it has to be Henry. Look at all this social media activity. Look at all this. And they're still basically just trying to make the return happen. You know, I'm worried about that. Right. Does it worry you at all that he hasn't signed a deal? Do you think it's just a foregone conclusion? I mean, it's a little concerning, I guess, just because, yeah, like the, until the ink's on the paper, it's like dried on the paper. It's not in, in stone. But I mean, like for like Johnson, I've gone out like this with this, you know, like shooting, shooting his, his mouth off. And then, you know, uh, Zaslav, too. And like all this talk about Superman, it, it just kind of seems like. Oh, I hope, I hope you make it work. Yeah, like, maybe they're just, they're ironing out the plan. And then if Henry is good with the plan, then he'll sign the papers. You know, I just wonder like, yeah, you know, cause listen, we know talks before you hear about it in the trade, usually talks have been happening already. So like, yeah. I'm just curious, like how much was Gunn and Peter Safran involved in this process? Like, yeah. you know, before they got officially announced and were they involved in those talks with Dwayne Johnson and Henry Cavill? Are they on board or is this a thing they have to figure out now? Like does, does James Gunn have a mandate that, yeah, you got to stick with Henry Cavill now, or he can just be like, Oh, fuck you, Dwayne Johnson. I don't give a shit. I'm doing whatever I want. Like yeah. we don't know any of those details. I know. So I don't know. I really That's don't know. Why it's like, I feel like yeah. Johnson was pushing for Henry and doing all this stuff when there's still, you know, th there was like a vacuum of power over at DC. They were still looking for the architect. Yeah. So he was trying to like, while there's no grownups in the room, I'm going to go and make a bunch of room about yeah. this thing. But like the grownups have arrived now and they might yeah. disagree, you know? And I wonder <laughs> if like Dan Lin had made it in, you know, as the head of DC, like, do you think, because like Dan Lin, like, did you really know of him too much before like his name got sort of thrown in the running? Yeah. Like, I feel like with somebody like that running DC, Johnson could have, Dwayne Johnson could have came in and been like, this Big is what we're doing. Yeah. I'm the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah. I don't know if Dwayne Johnson going to be pushing, uh, pushing around James Gunn. Especially I don't know when if Black he's gonna, Adam, yeah, didn't like yeah, succeed with like a mandate from the crowd. You know what like, I mean? I don't like, think he's gonna have the push and pull with James Gunn. James Gunn's probably yeah. gonna be like, nah, man. Like I'm doing. Yeah, see, that's I don't know. It just it depends on him. Me. And yeah, I, and like, listen, at the end of the day, I want to go with what James Gunn wants because I think he is the man for the job. Yeah. Not Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, Dwayne Johnson's great. He's got charisma. He's a really cool dude. Everyone wants to be him. Everyone wants to hang out with him. He's jacked out of his mind. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? But I just, eh, you know, I got like, the worst sense of deja vu when these reports came out though. Cause it was, it was the, uh, it was the rap Umberto Gonzalez who came out and, and published a story uh, talking about the fact that all this talk about Henry's return has been a little bit premature that he has not yet signed a deal and everything is still kind of on hold. Like that gave me the only kind of deja vu of like the stuff that was going on after Justice League came out in 2017, where they were once again, there was like a lot of news and whispers and 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 murmurs about Henry's future. And and you know, people like Collider and others started hearing stuff about you know Henry Cavill's gonna be popping up here and there and this and that. And then we ultimately found out that that was just Johnson and Garcia trying to will that into existence at the time. This yeah. is back in 2018. So this happening now again four years later on the backs of a movie that more or less flopped. It just makes me nervous. I'm like, were these guys once again trying their best to like 
we finagle this thing and force it in the direction they want. But now, you know, it's it's not going to happen. Because remember that all those Cavill rumors from 2018 were for naught. Nothing ever came of that. So I just, you know, I guess as a long suffering Superman fan who's had seen lots of promising plans come up and then disappear, uh, I'm going to hold off on celebrating any further until there's news that he's officially put pen to paper and is coming back. So I'm now back to feeling a little bit more skeptical. If there's anything that gives me any sort of calm is the thing we've discussed before that in peacemaker, James Gunn went out of his way to include an image of the Henry Cavill Superman, a silhouette of him as if in his head canon, that is the Superman for the DC. Right. So that, you know, something I try to like calm myself down and go, okay, maybe they, you know, it's, it's not as bad as it sounds, but uh, yeah, Henry, Henry's future in the role seems to still kind of be in that weird phantom zone, limbo purgatory until he signs that deal. So, uh, yeah, we've been gushing about the return of Henry over the last few episodes. I kind of felt like now we kind of have to get back to the potential reality that that was all a negotiation tactic and, and one that basically failed because the movie that was supposed to be the Trojan horse for Henry's return only made about $35 when all was said and done. So, yeah. By the now, way, they should have yeah. introed Black Adam in a Shazam movie before they put him into a solo one. I bet yeah. they would perform better. Um, interesting. I just wanted a quick comment. So IGN had tweeted something the other day, and The Rock actually, like, hit back. At oh, them. I heard about this. Yeah, 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 so it wasn't, like, a big diss or anything like that, but it was, like, it was like, oh, Black Panther, like, too, like, Wakanda Forever is gonna, like, you know, surpasses, like, Black Adam at the box office, and, like, he tweeted back, and he was like, IGN, this is such, like, a neutral post. He's like, Black Panther is already, like, an established franchise. They already had, like, a hit movie, and the pa- the character's bigger. Like, Black Adam's, like, a new character. We've never seen him before, and it's, like, a new thing. So he's like, it's just kind of, this is, like, a dumb headline. And I don't disagree with him, actually. It was kind of just, like, a clickbaity like, headline. Yeah. Because it's just, like, He's right, like it is. But that said, I don't know if you just like roll right into a solo movie with with that kind of character. Then, like, he should have appeared in Shazam. Where I know. it's starting to look more like a questionable decision. Yeah, it's it's weird, you know. And like, listen, The Rock probably just walks in a room and goes, "I'm the highest paid fucking actor in the world, and I'm the biggest movie star in the world." Because like, he is. I think at this point, like, he is legit the biggest movie star. Yeah. Um, even though I just, oh, by the way watched red notice on netflix which was like the ryan reynolds rock movie you know it's whatever it's fine um but he's a rock is just like dude dude's like just i haven't really honestly i'll be honest i haven't really watched a movie with him in a really long time like i don't know what the last fucking thing a jumanji maybe i saw with him like in it and then before that i think i saw was like uh the scorpion king no, no okay, yeah. be, like, be cool, which was like, the yeah. get, get shitty. By the way, he's amazing in Be Cool. He's really, really good in that. That's one of his early films, but his yeah. comedic timing, his chops are phenomenal in that movie. Um, I haven't really seen anything like it since then. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, I, so I haven't, I, I honestly, I haven't seen, as much as I love him, I, yeah. like, I love him and I was obsessed with him as a wrestler. Like, I watched The Red Notice and I was just like, dude, this guy is like just a fucking, he's kind of a cardboard box. <laughs> oh yeah he is like he really's got yeah. like he is just like not 
You know where you see some depth in Johnson? If you ever watch Ballers. WWE. <laughs> well, no. No, Ballers. I did watch Ballers. ballers. Yes, yes, yes. Ballers, yes. his, uh, his uh, whatever, his, I forget his character's name now, though, but his character in Ballers. I think he was Mr. Baller. Sure. Mr. Mr. Baller. Uh, something Stratmore. But either way, Spencer yeah. Stratmore. There you yes. go. Yes, awesome. Uh, his Spencer Stratmore. Uh, there was actually a little bit of depth to that portrayal. I felt, you know, th yeah. there, there was a little more, you know, gravitas to that. So I think he also like red notice, it, like the writing was like yeah. not anything to write home about. You know what I mean? So I ball is definitely, uh, you know, I remember balls and he, he was actually pretty good in that. Yeah. Um, but he, he's still like, he's, his range is like this, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. whereas like other actors are, are this, <laughs> like, so I don't know. Well, something else I want to talk about, and this wasn't even on the plans, but uh, since we since we went into this anyway about oh Black sure just, Adams, just just make just fucking make things up on the I'm gonna on the make fly. things up right now, <laughs> but uh, speaking about the pickle now with uh, Black Adam and Shazam and all that, like how do we feel about the fact that Shazam Two has made up villains? Did you hear about this? That the villains being played by Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. They're not from the comics. They're not from some kind of expanded Shazam lore. They literally just invented two villains for Shazam Fury of the Gods. Oh, that seems really stupid because I also think they like teased the villain in the first yeah, movie. They, the, 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 yeah, the, the, the caterpillar thing or, or worm yeah. or whatever. So yeah. I didn't realize that. So Helen Mirren's just like some made up character. Yeah, her and, and also like playing two completely fictitious villains. Yes. And, and, and I'm telling you, it's starting to make the entire Black Adam gamble seem like a failure. Because remember, yeah. the, even Johnson has said this in interviews leading up to Shazam, that the original plan was to have Shazam and Black Adam introduced in the same movie. And that, yeah. you know, they were going to just stick to the fact that, you know, Black Adam is Shazam's villain and this is the way we're going to go with it. But he decided, no, we're going to do a movie for each of them and we're going to build to that and this, this and that. And then he got this whole hard on for the Superman battle that I wonder if James Gunn has any interest in making happen. Um, yeah. So instead of introducing black adam in his traditional sort of mode as in as the antithesis of shazam they went and they separated him into his own thing and now shazam not only doesn't have a black adam to fight with just yet but he's fighting two completely fictional made up non-comic book canon villains to me that that like I'm shocked by that, honestly. And this people are just talking age, about this now because I hadn't seen this before, and like they announced the villains a long time ago. Yeah, and now no, it's, it's, it, it. it's now is when people are starting to like pay a little more attention to it, because uh, the movies, you know, whatever. So I, I think I think it deserves pointing this out because this this goes back to a time when Hollywood didn't give a shit about comic books. You know, there was a time when you know the Hollywood adaptations of comics were like very loosely based on the comics and they would take all kinds of creative liberties and invent villains. I mean, if you want to look just in the world of DC, look what happened to Superman after Superman two. All right. He fights that Richard, the, the, that, that Richard Webster guy and a robot lady and a supercomputer in the desert. That's not from the comics and Superman four, he fights nuclear man 
that guy is not from the comics. Like, yeah, in the older days, Hollywood could get away with just, eh, we don't really care about the comics. That's Nuclear just... Man is just a Mega Man villain. <laughs> like, yeah, basically. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the, just making up a villain, uh, making up two villains for the Shazam sequel, yeah. I feel like in this day and age, uh, that's going to be a bit of a tough sell for comic book fans. Yeah. Um, and in general, just a very strange creative decision to make. And I trace it all back to the fact that Dwayne Johnson really thought Black Adam could stand as its own hero franchise. And now he's learning it's not. The interest isn't there. So maybe they should have just stuck to the traditional story. And now for Shazam 2, that could be the that he would be having. Or with that caterpillar guy, not just two randos. I didn't see Black Adam uh, yet. Um, I think I, I'm going to just have to see it. But is his name even Adam? And do they explain why they call him Black Adam? Is it just because there's he's a yeah? There's a whole a thing suit? about that. No, he he has some Egyptian name, Adam something or whatever. So you're going to uh, explain the, the the him arriving at that name is part of the arc, and it's something that happens later on. So I'm not gonna, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's not just called Black Adam from the start of the movie. Like even in ancient like, Egypt. Yay. They're like, hey, look, it's Black <laughs> Adam. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Um, so yeah, so anyway, Black Adam and Shazam, what a mess. Uh, but what what we hope isn't a mess is this promise of James Gunn and the biggest story ever told. We talked about this last week, but now I want to like we might have some insight into what story he wants to tell or at the very least where he wants this biggest story to end up because home slice on the twitter on wednesday he tweeted the following image of it's kingdom come it's all the main characters in kingdom come with superman dead center standing around a table i think they must be at the green lantern corp because of the uh the uh, logo on the table and it's with the caption making plans. So with James Gunn tweeting out an image from kingdom come and captioning it, making plans, of course that has DC fans all over the place. Our heads are exploding because can it be, could this be part of his big 10 year plan? Only one of the most beloved and treasured and respected and revered comic book storylines of all time. Um, Look, first of all, let's acknowledge the possibility that he just thinks it's a cool picture and it's a bunch of DC characters standing around a table and he's making plans and they look like they're making plans and he just thought it was a cool image. There's There's a definitely a possibility that we're all just reading way too much into this but you know for those of you who don't know kingdom come is set like in the future okay it all of our justice league heroes have now aged considerably batman is in his like 80s or 70s and he has to wear like a robot armor suit just to try to you know do what batman does and superman's got the uh well, this logo I've currently got on my shirt and he's got the gray hair and, you know, it's set in the future at a time when all of our favorite Justice Leaguers are kind of older and over the hill and younger, more brash heroes have taken their place. And it's just an overall, just an epic 
unbelievable story. And for him to tease that, I hope he realizes what he's done because now people are going to be expecting this. People are going to be hoping that this is perhaps the climax of that 10 year plan, you know, because in my mind, that's what this would be. In my mind, you yep. can't just next year start filming a Kingdom Come movie, right? You got to like make that the final act, make that the end game, you know, create a story that over the next 10 years is going to set the stage for Kingdom Come and Kingdom Come is like the big blow off to everything, you know? That's kind of like how I could see them, you know, going in that direction. But uh, and by the way, it feels pretty cool to know, too, that like, you know, I interviewed the writer of Kingdom Come on this very podcast many, many yes. moons ago. I had Mark Wade on this show talking about that book and that story and the fact that he's got a Superman story he would love to adapt into a film in his head. He revealed that on this show. And it doesn't look like Warner Brothers ever contacted him about that story <laughs> idea. So I wish they had. But yes, hearing that Mark Wade's Kingdom Come. Uh, could possibly be in the cards has me very, very excited. But how do you feel about where this could all fit into things? Are we reading too much into it? Is it a story that could be told soon? Should it be the finale? How are you feeling about what Gunn is teasing out there? I mean, I think it's interesting. Like, I, I think, yeah, definitely you have to, you know, build up to it. Uh, I don't think you just come out with Kingdom Come. I think you need to, like, establish the characters and work into it. But I think it's it would serve as a really interesting kind of finale to, like, whatever, maybe, like, this first arc of, like, you know, the world building that they're going to, like, you know, if they're doing, like, a similar thing to Marvel where they're going to build up to, like, an event film. Yeah. I think Kingdom Come could be a really cool like, you know, way to wrap that up. Like, I think if you get um, a couple of movies in there where, you know, they're a little more uh, grounded in the characters and how they're normally depicted. And maybe you do somewhere in the middle, there's a big event film where they fight like some kind yeah. of big bad. Yeah, that shouldn't but be the then, first one. Yeah. Yeah, not the first one. But like, I'm just saying like even like midway through this, this arc they have like a fight with like a big bad. Like, I don't know. Yeah, if no, the, I, again. I, I'm, I'm saying I, I agree with you. Like kingdom Come right. can be the big final story. Yeah. But you could do another big epic arc in the middle of it. You could do Christ yeah. on infinite earth. You could do another get one. An of epic arc in there, the get a, a dark side or some big yeah. villain. And then imagine like closing that arc out with like, you know, this story where, you know, I think I, I don't remember every little detail of Kingdom Come. I'm sure there's like a big bad in that too, but like yeah, the is. villain, the vil in a way, like it's just them more coming to grips with their age and like having to like teach these younger versions. Like it's a more interesting like way to wrap up that arc than just another big like fantastical fight with like a big villain. Like there's there's like something like really interesting in that story about like these younger, more vicious characters and like how they try to like deal with them. And yeah, um, it's more personal. And then just yeah. like another big splashy CG crap fest, which I'm yeah. sure there's a, there's, there's a CG crap fest in there somewhere. They'll find one. They'll <laughs> yeah. find one and they'll make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like th that's cooler. And it's, it's just more of like a, it becomes more of like this big think piece in a way. I don't know. Cause like, yeah, the kingdom come story is just like so interesting. Um, and that's the thing. So and, I think and, that could be really cool. Yeah. And, and, it doesn't have to be tied to any particular past. It's because it's kind of like a flash forward story, a kingdom come, you know, the, it's not a direct sequel to something that came before. You're supposed right, to just right. walk into it 
just knowing that, oh, this is older Superman. This is older Batman. You know, they've lived a whole bunch of stuff, but it's that that stuff is not necessarily important in the book. But for the sake of telling like a for, for a film franchise, they can invent the backstory and then have a time jump that brings us to Kingdom Come. So right. it's interesting where you know, they could cherry pick and create some pretty phenomenal you know, event films along the way. You know, one that comes out in three years and then another one that comes out three years later. And then the big finale is Kingdom Come a few, you know, a few years after that, you know? And, right. it, it, and if they do do that, it'll be interesting because when have we ever seen our main characters in a series age quite that much, go through that far of an evolution. We're at the beginning. They're the young in their prime heroes that we know, but yep. 10 years from now, we're going to see a story where now it's been 20 or 30 years. And now they're each at the end of their rope. And it's it presumably the same actors we've been watching go through these arcs and now they're older and they fill out those suits a little differently and all that, you know, like it would be kind of powerful to see, Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa and all these people now as they're pushing 50 playing these parts in 10 years, you know? Yeah. So. I think there's like a lot of just great stuff to mine out of that. It's, it's a really cool thing. And then like, you know, at that point then, and listen, you know, like James Gunn, like he loves like obscure characters and yes. off the beaten path characters. A few mm -hmm. of them are in that shot that we just showed on screen with the kingdom come, you know, imagery. There's some like heroes that uh, I don't recognize and other ones that are off the beaten path. So like that could yeah. be a cool thing. And um, he can either launch into some weird shit with some other characters that like you wouldn't expect from there or like, almost like kingdom come gives them like a, a great way to like find a way to like just reboot and recast after that. Maybe like they don't keep, maybe they do the 10 year arc and then that's it. And they start a new 10 year arc with like a whole new set of things where Marvel is like, no, we're going to keep the same arc for yeah. about 20 yeah, years. Yeah. Like, you know, um, like, yeah, maybe DC can do it like that and do these shorter little bursts, which is more, yeah. if you think about it, more like a comic book event. You know, like, yeah. if you do this, that's done. Now we do a reset button and we do everything. And Where Marvel's honestly, just trying to, like, let's keep it going for 40, 50 years. I don't know how long they want to yeah. go. Yeah. Well, and, and that to me is also like part of the implication of his wording. When he says the biggest story ever told, that to me tells me that over these next 10 years, he wants something that has a real proper beginning, middle, and end, will have a real conclusion. It is a singular, large story he wants to tell. He's not necessarily trying to build something that's going to last 20, 30 years. He has one, you know, they're going to craft one massive story told across all the mediums uh, yep. over these next 10 years. So, yeah, that, is, that would be interesting if, like, you know, it, we go to Kingdom Come, and then now we kind of start over again with a new story, you know? Um, and that is borrowing from the comics and it is a way to keep the characters fresh and bring in new creative energy and new actors and new everything. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think if we're likely to see kingdom come, it'll be the grand finale of this biggest story ever told. Yeah. Um, so something else that's come up since we last spoke is there was an interesting study done, Bredersen, about Marvel fans and DC fans and their trends. And, you know, the way people responded to Black Adam, the lack of asses in the seats for Black Adam uh, kind yeah. of plays into some of this. Uh, followed by the fact that Wakanda Forever uh, basically like made more than Black Adam has done its entire run. And it's like opening weekend, basically. Um <laughs> 
So here's what the story found. I'm going to read the write-up on this from Dark Horizons. Uh, <clears throat> it says, A study conducted by Platform Fandom has found that 36% of Marvel fans are feeling fatigued over the constant stream of content coming from the mega franchise in both cinemas and Disney Plus this year. The survey drew from 5,000 entertainment and gaming fans between 13 and 54 years old. So that, that includes us, right? Along <laughs> with proprietary insights from its platform of over 300 million monthly users. Oh. The study also shows that Marvel fans are far more inclined to watch any Marvel project in comparisons to fans of rival company DC, where they are more likely to consume film and TV about a specific superhero rather than the entire DC catalog. Only 20% of DC fans are said to be fatigued by the number of releases in a year. Yeah, I wonder why. You know, <laughs> because we don't have anything. We're like, hey. Meanwhile, by the way, we've got the Batman this year, and we got Black Animal. We're just so damn spoiled. And Marvel, oh, is, I guess because now that Marvel has the TV arm of things too, it just feels like there's a Marvel thing every six weeks. But uh, yeah, anyway. Okay. The study indicates fans can be broken down into four subcategories of decreasing intensity. I'm oh, going to want to see where, where we fall in this, Brett. But uh, supposedly there is the advocates. The advocates are the core fan base so invested in the IP. It's a part of who they are. Yeah, I know those people. You see those people who it's like, ooh, okay, I, there's loving this stuff, and then there's yeah. not having anything good in your life at all to where this is all you have going on for you. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> but okay. So, yes, I, I just love that. The part of it's a part of who they are. But then again, you know, who am I to talk? You know, Superman's a part of who I am. So, you know, but anyway, yeah. Okay. Then there is <clears throat> the intentionalists. The intentionalists are the largest segment and are more discerning with strong reviews, themes, marketing, cast, and filmmaker to hold influence. That's actually sounding more like me in terms of like yes. the way I tend to ingest stuff. The intentionalist, because I do, I pay attention to the reviews, the themes, the marketing. I want to know the cast, who's directing it. That's the stuff that really kind of like gets me to plop down my my dollars you know yeah. then there is then there are the culturalists oh the culturalists tell me more no the cult yeah the culturists are oh. heavily influenced by the buzz surrounding a popular release and watch to be a part of the larger cultural conversation so in other words these are the fomo people the people who hear like wait a minute everyone's seeing this Everyone's talking about it. Well, I got to see it so I can be. You're saying everybody. <laughs> and then there's the flirts. Ooh, the flirts are the dabblers who will most likely watch when they have time. Okay, uh, DC fans are found to be twenty percent more likely than Marvel fans to buy tie-in products. So that's interesting. Interesting. So DC fans are more picky, but they are more likely to buy the, the tie-in products for uh, their properties. So I don't know what you take away from uh, with that, 
But uh, I just think it's interesting, you know, with, with this study, you know, we, we, we've always talked about the idea of fatigue, of superhero fatigue, Marvel fatigue, DC fatigue. Is anyone going to, you know, start getting tired of things? And it looks like there is a certain amount, 36% of the Marvel fans polled are starting to feel a little bit kind of just, all right, I could use right. a little break, you know, Um and then you have the DC people who are like, no, listen, I have particular characters and things within that universe I will follow, but I'm not just going to e, watch any. I just want to watch Batman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. so, uh, huh. Interesting. I, I just thought that the, the, I thought that was a very telling study and I wanted to share the results there. What do you think you are? Are you an advocate where you're so invested? The IP is part of who you are. Are you in, are you an intentionalist who uh, who is very discerning and 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 lo looks for the strong reviews, themes, marketing, and then the cast and director? Are you a culturist, heavily influenced by the buzz and not wanting to miss out? Are you the flirt who dabbles and will most likely see that movie when you have the time, which is currently how you're treating Black Adam, by the way. I've been treating honestly. I've been treating a lot of like just the last like stuff in the last year or so because yeah. like that's how I feel about most of it, except for like I don't know Spider Man No Way Home. I was like, I, also, I are you in the thirty six percent? Are you feeling the fatigue, Brett? Uh, may maybe, I, and I don't know because like I just feel like if the right project comes along, that I'm that I'm. Well, let's see. I'm right when, on again. You know, when are you seeing Wakanda Forever? Yeah, I, I that's one I, I want to see, and I probably I wonder if I will see it before Black Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, because like I'm I'm more invested in the MCU at this point because I've seen like everything, and I like the first Black Panther. Black Adam's yeah. not a known quantity, just like The Rock said, and I'm like, uh, and also like just hearing the buzz that Wakanda Forever is better, and the and Black Adam's not. So I don't. Yeah. Know, I feel like I'm more of like an att attention attentionist. Was it attentionalist? Yeah, attention or intention? Intentionalist. The intentionalist. I feel like I'm an intentionalist, but also like I could, I, I could like fuck with the flirt a little bit. Good. All right. Now moving right along, we're gonna go to uh, just an interesting little thing, just to kind of circle back. There was a story a few months back that got people really worried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman animated series was suddenly like axed from HBO Max uh, because they were going to try to distribute it elsewhere. Well, look, now there's a it looks like DC is looking to ink a deal with Amazon to bring all of their DC animated content to Amazon for streaming purposes. And, you know, it's all part of this. It seems to be part of a philosophy there with Warner Brothers Discovery taking over and saying why, like, maybe there isn't a value in having all of these things just be exclusive to our one streamer, you know, because... Uh, it, 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 th there seems to be a value in having our characters go elsewhere and then bring attention to the brand that way, as opposed to forcing you to have to see it on HBO Max. You know, mm. I think they're hoping we, if you put it on something like Amazon, you have people who will get to know these characters and buy into what's going on who aren't already on your HBO platform where you're essentially just preaching to the choir. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know, like, I don't know. what. Uh, it seems weird to me. It's just like you you have a fucking streamer and it's all your properties, like, drive people to the streamer. I mean, like, are they thinking, like, well, we'll put it on Amazon and then they'll come to the streamer anyway because they like the character so much. But it's just like, 
I just don't like understanding yeah. the, like the benefit. I guess like like you said, maybe it is that they think like, oh, we'll get in front of a different audience. But I'm like, I feel like it's just gonna be me watching it on Amazon instead of the HBO Max. <laughs> like it's I'm the same fucking guy. Like you're not getting an extra guy out of this. I'm the same one. That's just gonna. And now I have to go watch Amazon, and it's annoying now. Just put it. I want you to go. Can oh. you go comment on like the official article about this and just the comment like you're not getting an extra guy out of this. You're not getting an I extra guy. Like I don't know. Like I don't know. I I, I, I feel I, like HBO. Like HBO is HBO. Like that has more yeah. carte blanche. I think than. I mean, maybe not. Whatever, but like well, I remember, they me, are like, kind HBO of still means the more to me than Amazon, than Netflix, yeah. and Hulu. I agree. Like, that has a name, agree, and like, but but I'm pretty sure like in the, terms of the home of good projects. I agree, but in terms of market share, I think they're still lagging behind the ones who beat them to the streaming. You know, Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and these other ones that have been out for longer. I think HBO Max is still kind of like yeah. I I, I got to verify that, but I. I'm pretty sure it's like not in the top three or four streamers yet. So no, that, that makes mind, sense. But I'm like, but then I don't know. They just figured all oh, this bar. There's a bigger install base already on Amazon, so I'll get it there. Like I yeah, guess I like, can see that maybe. But I'm like also like I don't know the. Yeah. I don't know. It seems weird. I, like maybe it is a big, exclusive that I have to I fucking go to you to see it. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. But either way, just wanted to point that out as part of just Warner Brothers Discovery kind of cleaning house and changing the philosophy over what's going on at Warner Brothers and DC and all that sort of stuff. They really, you know, they are pushing their characters outward. They don't seem to want to just have them housed exclusively on their streamer. So would Disney Plus ever do this? Probably not. But then again, Disney Plus is in a very They did it with position. Netflix and then they were like, you know what? We're making our own streamer. Fuck you, yeah. Netflix. And that's yeah as soon as as soon as Disney Plus came out and all the Marvel stuff elsewhere came home. You notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh all right now we got a couple of trailers to react to before we oh, wrap very things exciting. up. So, uh, yes, on Thursday, yesterday, for those of you listening to this, the day the show arrived, uh, yesterday, Thursday, gave us our first trailer for Indiana Jones and the title. I don't think the title had been revealed before this. No, it had not. That's the so it's, announcement. Yeah, it's Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> now, I don't know why he feels so strongly about antibacterial soap. But I mean, no, I mean, dial, you know, dial works, but you know, I'm more of an ivory kind of guy. I don't know why they had to do the alliteration. Yeah, the 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 dial of destiny. Um, so okay, first impressions, first impressions. You go first, uh, Brett. You saw Indy Five, the trailer. What did you think? I don't like the title, number one. Number <laughs> two, it already looks better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, there's a weird CG shot of Harrison Ford on a horse in it. Uh, yes. I, that was like oh, glaringly bad. Horse. I was going to glaringly bad. Yeah. Right before I saw a fucking Boyd Holbrook, who's assuming the same character Boyd Holbrook plays in every fucking movie. Hey, I love Boyd Holbrook. I love that. him, but he's the same character in every movie and he's good at it, but he's like, he's the same character in Sandman, the same character in vengeance. He's the same character in Logan. And I'm pretty sure he's the same guy here. Uh, his just hair you is slightly Narcos? different. You see Narcos. No, but I'm sure he's that character in Narcos also. Um, I like him a lot, though, actually. He is great. Uh, so anyway, uh, other than that, I thought the trailer was was cool. It got me pumped. I'm excited for it. The title's bad. 
Also, I like Phoebe Waller Bridges a lot. If you haven't seen Fleabag, you need to like go watch Fleabag because that okay. show is like it's two seasons, so it's not a big investment. Yeah. I think they're half hour episodes, and she like wrote the whole thing. It's extrapolated from like a one woman show that she did on like theater, and that show's really good. So I like her a lot. Also, she was great as uh, the robot in in Solo. Uh, that was her. Also, same same actress. Bam. So I like it. It's cool, man. It's 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 you know James Mangold. There's a little bit of like some Logan vibes there. Yep. It's the Logan of Indiana Jones. They should have called the Indiana Jones Logan um, <laughs> instead of the Logan the Logan of yeah. Lithuania. Uh, that's it. Should have been the title. Uh, I'm glad to see that we're going to be dealing with Nazis again. Um, always fun. Uh, you know, Nazi remnants because this is like 1969. Um, yep. So great. I'm hoping there's no rubber tree branches for them to bounce off of that are hanging off a waterfall because that will make me leave the theater. And um, uh, I, I don't, I've told the story a thousand times, but I fell asleep in the yeah. movie theater during Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I woke up, saw a fucking alien and a UFO <laughs> on screen. And then I had to double check that like my girlfriend at the time had not left me in the theater and I slept through started. into another movie because I was like, oh, you're still here? I was, I looked, I literally, I'm not even joking. Like I fucking looked at her and she looked at me and I was like, just bewildered. And like, I looked back at the screen <laughs> and I was like, what, what fucking movie is this? And she was like, it's still Indiana Jones. And I couldn't fucking believe it. Like, I couldn't believe it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm a broker guy. I tell the story all the time. No, but, but it's, to this know. day, I'm 36 years old and I can't fucking believe it. Yeah. 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 So that's my take. Mary, all right. All right. Well, look, for me, I uh, look, I'm a big Indiana Jones guy. Right. Okay. I'm a big James Mangold guy. Okay. I'm a big Harrison Ford guy. But. No, there's no but. And, and, oh, and everything's just big. Gets bigger and no, bigger and bigger. I, I, I'm big on all of these things. So, the, the, so in other words, I brought a lot of goodwill to this trailer already. And when I saw Jonathan Rice Davies, the original you know, Sala, that actor uh, back in that role, that got me. I'm like, yeah, I missed him in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I felt like we needed Sala in there somewhere. And uh, he's back because Jonathan Rice Davies, uh, I, I have a soft spot for that character actor. He's been uh, in some of my favorite stuff, including, you know, he was Gimli in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Sure. He was one of the main characters in Sliders, which that was the first TV show I ever watched. And when it got canceled, I had that like, oh, my show. And I was like <laughs> 11. But uh, yeah, so Jonathan Rice Davies being back as Sala, I'm obsessed with. Um the, the 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 shots we've seen so far of like young Indiana Jones, like man, they've nailed that technology. Yeah, they're, they're real so, good at it. <laughs> like, holy crap. Makes me wonder, by the way, if for the Disney Plus TV series, they won't just get Harrison back and use that filter all the time, you know? Because uh there's gonna be a TV show, and if they're gonna hire somebody else. It better be Alden Ehrenreich. No, uh, I don't know. It's going to be. It's They're doing be it. Wait, hold on, hold on. They're doing a TV show. There's rumors that Disney Plus is working on an Indiana Jones TV series. Would it just be like uh, Harrison yeah. Ford passing the torch to somebody? 
Because like they haven't, there's thing. been no. You can details, de-age yeah. him all you want, but he still has the bones <laughs> and body of like a seventy-something-year-old. So like, like he's, he's gonna have this rubber rubber appendages while they yeah. try to CG him running away from Nazis. Uh, he's gonna look like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> listen to me. I walked in with lots of goodwill. I heard Salah's voice. I got excited. Uh, then I saw some wonky CG right away with that horse thing. And I got a little cringe like, oh, no. It's like when he stops and like turns like there's like right there's a spot yeah. where he's like on the horse and he's like. And there was, and like, was like one like, other no, what is that? Yeah, there was one. <laughs> I was other like, you look like too. an NPC in Grand Theft Auto. What is this? And I'm like, Indy doesn't move like that. What is that? Like, the, the, There were a couple times where I'm like, eh, I hope yeah. they better refine that. I mean, we have till June 30th of next year. But I just always hate it when, like, right in the trailer, there's something that makes you go, ooh, that. Yeah, just don't don't use pass? that shot. Yeah, like, it, surely you have a shot. Horse <laughs> that important that yeah. we needed to see that herky jerky two seconds. Also, CD it's literally, it's literally two seconds. Like, just cut yeah. it out. Like, it did nothing so, for me. So that wasn't going to make or stuff. break whether I liked the trailer. <laughs> yeah. That sort of stuff kind of like suddenly, all right, brought me back down to earth really quickly. Yeah. And then I did get washed over with a sense of like, we've been seeing so many legacy sequels in the last 10 years that like this one, like it didn't even feel like special to have him back. I don't know why. Like, I know like we're supposed to feel like, Oh, there he is. And there's the hats. Oh, this is so iconic. But it's like, first of all, they kind of did that when they were promoting Kingdom uh, of the Crystal Skull. It was the same sort of thing where it's like, you know, ooh, they brought him back 20 years later. And now it's like, oh, we're doing that again. But like now he's the last one didn't work out, Mario. (laughs) And the last one didn't work out. Yeah. So like while watching it, I'm like, yeah, they're, they're definitely editing this and staging this. Like many of the other legacy sequels we've seen in the last 10 years where like they save the full shot of the returning hero's face for like deep into the trailer. And uh, it didn't quite land for me, even when they got into the full crescendo of the Indiana Jones theme, which at first, you know, they're playing little bits of it. And again, I'm like, oh, I should be feeling lots of feels. But maybe we've just gone to this legacy sequel well one too many times where I'm just like, all right, all right, I know where you're going. Yeah. All right, just settle down. I'm going to see the movie, but uh, you're not, it's not going to be the nostalgia and the lump in my throat that I might have had had I not seen a million types of attempts of getting back the original stars to tell a new story again, you know? Right. But um, all in all, Am I excited? Am I more excited now or less excited now uh, than I was before I saw the trailer? Definitely more. You know, it was just an abstract idea before seeing the trailer. So now that I have a sense for, you know, the aesthetic that Mangold is going for and the type of story it is, you know, I'm intrigued and I, I can definitely I've already set aside some money in my in my mind. That's going to go towards Indiana Jones next summer. I wasn't blown away like, oh, I wish it came out tomorrow. Right. But, uh, yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested in the dial of destiny. How about you, Brett? (laughs) Did it sell you or did it unsell you? Yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm in. I'm in. All right. Speaking of selling, they also tried to sell us the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We got our first trailer of that on Thursday as well. James Gunn has been a very 
very busy guy. He sure has. So, uh, yes, we got our first look at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. What did you think of that, Brett? So, first of all, love that they are in uh, the matching uniforms now. Yes. They look great, number one. Number two, I laughed so hard at that opening spot when Drax just pegged that little kid in the head. I was not expecting it at all. And when it happened, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is, that was crazy. Yeah. Just opened the trailer up with that. And I appreciated it. It was really good. Um, This looks like to be like a much... I mean, I think all of them had a nice emotional core, uh, probably the second one more than the first one, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy films. But this movie looks set up to be like very emotional. We know this like it's been said it's the last hurrah for this version of the team. Yeah. And um, yeah, listen, there's a lot of shit we got to like work through. I mean, like, well, uh, I guess we could real quick because we are running a little long in the tooth on this one. But uh, yeah. I did watch the holiday special for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, if you didn't yet, spoiler. I actually did. I meant to bring okay. that up. I meant to bring that up. Yeah. So real quick, I thought it was great. I loved it. It was yeah. a perfect little 45-minute thing. It was really awesome. Uh, you know, little twist in there, because I don't think they mentioned it before that Mantis – spoilers – Mantis is Star-Lord's uh, half-sister. Yep. Um, so Ego – I cried. The same I cried. Oh, did you? Yeah. At the That's end, that when was... she tells him that, like, she's his sister, and he's like – And he just accepted it. Greatest like... gift ever, and he really yeah. meant it. Oh my god, I was a mess. Yeah, but I yeah. felt a little bit too. So yeah. anyway, so Gardens of the Galaxy Christmas special, great way to spend 45 minutes. Really, really funny uh, uh, concept. But anyway, uh, so you know we're coming into that. So I'm I'm assuming we're going to be you know dealing a little bit with that revelation. Um, also, if I'm not mistaken, I, I'm going to probably mess this up. But so the Gamora in this is not our Gamora that we spent the oh, first two yeah. Guardians films with. She's the time displaced Gamora that yep. showed up in Endgame. This is though the right. Nebula? It's still our Nebula? I think it's still our Nebula, yeah. So it's our Nebula. Nebula Right, she didn't die, and there wasn't a weird time trickery thing with her. So, yeah, so, like, I want to see that, because, like, you know, Peter and Gamora had a thing. Like, we never really got any, like, to see, like, that. Like, they fell in love once, where they fall in love again. Is that still a thing? Um, We're going to see Nebula now dealing with another version of her sister. She just had, like, a big breakthrough with her sister in the second movie, and, like, finally came around, and now it's, like, I wonder if like all that has been undone or like yeah. whatever. And we also don't know like the time that's passed between this movie and, and the last and, and the last time we saw him or whatever. So um yeah, but uh this trailer, uh I'll be honest, this trailer did it for me. I was like, yeah. I'm really excited for this for this uh this volume three. This is one that I will not be futzing around waiting to go to the theaters for. I, I will be there. Um, yeah, but, you know, hopefully within the first, you know, opening. Yeah, weekend. I mean the thing that grabbed me is it looks like the shit's hitting the fan. It looks yeah. like, you know, it looks serious. It looks like uh, they're going for broke on this because this is the final story. And also, like, contractually, James Gunn is going to be locked up by DC Studios for the next 10 years. So he can't come back and, and find more stories to tell here. So he he he's going for broke. And uh, to me, like, it was the least jokey Guardians thing I've seen. It was the most kind of serious. There seems to be some real sort of life and death stakes. We're getting down to brass taxes here where you know, this story is going to come to some kind of emotional conclusion. Yeah. And uh, and that's great for me because the emotional beats in the first two movies are my favorite parts of it. I know the humor is great and James Gunn is great with the quirky humor and the characters and the visual stuff that he does. But the stuff that really sings for me 
in the first two movies are the stuff that is more emotional, more about the relationships, more about the lessons learned about fatherhood and all y'all just the, the deeper, more sentimental stuff is the stuff sure. that I really love in those first two. And it seems like in this third one, we're going to get a lot of that. This one didn't feel like we're looking at the trailer for a comedy aside from Drax beaming yeah, the kid. In the that face. opening well, was like, really was yeah, that. <laughs> you know, this didn't look like some quirky oddball comedy about misfits anymore. This seems like, you know, just a very different kind of story that we're telling here. Yeah. They're a different team. And, um, They've been through a lot of shit at this point. And yeah, uh, yeah, I'm so I'm I'm curious, like yeah, like like I mentioned before, like some of those like uh, threads that have been open, and we've been waiting to kind of get some kind of like, well, what happened? What's going we're on? We're gonna like, see Adam Warlock, by the way. Remember there was yes, a we did see Adam Warlock at the end shot. of two, yeah. and we see Will Poulter as Adam Warlock for a split second. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot at play here, and then he's got that act, you know, that the the villain who seems to be played by uh, is it that actor uh, from I, Peacemaker. Uh, the guy who was uh, oh yeah what's his I don't remember his freaking name yeah. that, damn it uh whatever he's, he's the like, high evolutionary is the villain yeah. high evolutionary he yeah. seems really interesting and yeah, yeah who so I, I was reading an article today high evolutionary is also like a scarlet witch villain tied hmm. into and also has been tied in with the x men in the comics so interesting, interesting. choice curious if yeah. that could you know pan out to anything with the developments but no one james gonna i feel like this is going to be a little more um uh, insulated from yeah you know everything else it yeah seems like uh but it's looking good it's got me yeah. hype i was already interested this made me far more interested so uh yeah that's our trailer reaction for guardians 3 and i see you snuck in another one. i snuck a banner in because like i don't know why i didn't think of this and well, i don't I know guess, if you i saw didn't it. see it so you'll have to fly this one solo but yes there was a new super mario brothers yes. movie trailer so a month ago we got to see it but yeah. tell me all about a month it. ago we got the little teaser um yep. which was really just a little sample a little teaser so they released this was like a legit two minute full trailer where we see a lot more and now we can really kind of glean the, the plot um okay so first of all, we hear a lot more of Chris Pratt as Mario and uh, everyone needs to just stop bitching about it. It's really not that bad. It works. It works really well. And I think he sounds really good. We got to actually hear Charlie Day as Luigi in this and it's like just perfect. It's great. Nice. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy seems great as Peach. Uh, they, we have to actually see Peach this time. A lot of stuff from her. She's definitely like, you know, tough girl, not taking no shit, ready to defend her kingdom, which, kinda, you know, I figured they would go that route with it. Um Basically, in this one, it was like Easter eggs galore. So it opens up with Mario nervously walking out into the middle of a stadium. And when you start looking around, you see that all of the people in the crowd are Kongs. And then he gets up and Donkey Kong is there. And he they go with and it's if you look around, like there's girders, there's blue ladders, there's some barrels tied up. It looks like a Donkey Kong wow. level, and it looks yeah. like basically Cranky Kong is like the king of the Kongs. He's sitting up on a throne next to Peach, and it looks like some kind of I don't know, like battle of the two like worlds, and like they sent Mario in to fight Donkey Kong. And what's cool, little details, Mario runs in, jumps up goes into a smash brothers move so you know people are paying attention he literally does his like side a air smash so he comes up with the wind-up punch and donkey kong just stuffs him down and just smacks the shit out of him <laughs> and it's great it's really really good um we don't really hear donkey kong's voice but we see him yeah. and they gave him a little bit of a redesign so shigeru miyamoto came out it was like a nintendo direct style thing for the trailer yeah 
And uh, just like fun little fun fact, he said this is the first time we've redesigned Donkey Kong's look since he became 3D. Um, mm. So they actually wow, since the if you four days, yeah. So since no, since like Donkey Kong Country when they oh, first redesigned yeah. him. Okay. So they haven't really touched his design. So they actually made him look. Um, it's like a hybrid of the newer design and the way he looked on like the old Donkey Kong arcade game and the box art. He's a little more. His eyes are closer together. It's a little more comically comical looking. Okay. But um, still has the tie uh, and stuff like that. Uh, that that kind of hung over, but um, yeah, no, he 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 looks interesting. It was a little goofy, but I guess it's gonna be fun with the with the uh, Seth Rogen voicing him and stuff like that. So they, they made little tweaks to these characters that yeah. fit the voice actors, which is really fun. So we get to see that. Oh my god, I could go on and on. Uh, we get to see a lot of pipes. So we got to see him going through pipes and stuff oh, like that. Um, there was also like a 30-second spot that aired in like the Netherlands that's in English that has footage that's not in the trailer. And there's like a really cool sequence of them going through the pipes. And it's very funny. Um, oh, cool. They showed them doing Mario Kart <laughs> on Rainbow Road. There's I a saw sequence. a picture of that. Okay, I did see a picture so of like, him in a, a cart. And it also looks like they stick him in this big platforming area as like some sort of like training maybe to fight Bowser. Like Peach sticks him, and it looks like it looks like a Mario video game world. So like you know, there's gonna be some side scrolling action and him dodging and like him sucking at it at first. And I think like yeah. becoming the Mario, we see a quick shot of him swooping in, flying in a Tanuki suit. We see Peach leading him <laughs> out to a field of fire flowers. So they are like pulling out all the stops, like oh, all okay. of the. They, we got a good shot of the Bowser minions. We got a couple more reveals. We got red spinies. We got shy guys, Sniffits, Koopas, like bullet bills, <laughs> bonsai bills. Like they are literally like pulling from everything. And I'm all about this. Like it is going to be a fucking treat. Just like on screen, like seeing all yeah. the things. Someone already – it's amazing what people do on the internet. They released character posters. There's a poster of Donkey Kong. If you zoom in on the bottom right corner in the crowd, you can see Dixie and Diddy. And I was like, oh, oh my god, like they are putting ask if Diddy and that's on the character man. post. That's not in the trailer, but like you see them clearly, like they put them yeah. in there. And um, yeah, man, I'm I am like so over the moon excited for this movie. Like they are fucking nailing it. It looks so good, it looks incredible visually, but then you know, and listen, it's totally for kids, There's a lot of slapstick humor. It, it, you can tell that. So, like, you know, if you want to hold that against it, you can, but I mean, like, mm -hmm. I don't know whatever you expected. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it wasn't. And um, also, I, I look, I have confirmation. There's a couple of shots of what looks like Mario and Luigi in the real world in Brooklyn. So what? it is going to be a story of them starting out as plumbers in Brooklyn and then somehow walk, going it's through a live pipe. action. No, not in live action. Oh, okay, it, okay. It's them in the CG, but gotcha, it's gotcha, in. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. You know, they, they uh, Bowser legit calls them a human in this. So, like, yeah, yeah they're in Brooklyn. And um, some other yeah. things have leaked out from marketing materials. And they have a Mario Brothers super. They have a, a fucking plumbing truck that says Super Mario Brothers, which is awesome. And apparently there's a spot where there's a thing where it says plumbing's our game, which is, like, yeah. from the old Bob Hoskins yeah. to the Mario, all that stuff. So, like, yeah, they're, they're like, winking and nodding at, like, everything. Yeah. And I... I love it. It's great. But so are they if you haven't seen this trailer, you need to watch it. But are they going to set Toad on fire and make me cry in the theater again? <laughs> I hope I hope so. Um, also, <laughs> just a couple of quick things. Uh, lots of Toads. Um, they have ATMs that dispense coins, 
which the world building is phenomenal. They're going up to ATMs and coins are coming out and it was amazing. And <laughs> there was something else that was like so great. I was like, this is so good. Like, how did they like think of all this stuff? All right. Now um, I have to go watch this. I can't remember now. You have to watch it. It's like, it yeah. is a, is a freaking treat. It's a treat. All right. Uh, all for right. diehard fans like myself. Um, well, so that's, that's well, hopefully that. people think episode 170 of the fanboy was a treat and they race they over to their podcast app of choice to leave a stellar five-star review and tell their yeah, friends about this wonderful top rated fanboy podcast. Um, as always, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to send a question or topic for a future Ask the Fanboys episode, send it to thefanboypodcast at gmail.com. You could also follow us at the Fanboy Show on the Twitter. You could follow Brett as Super Brettcon over sure on the can. Twitter. And you could follow me as Superman on Film over on the Twitter.com. So uh, I think that does it. So, ladies and gentlemen, until next time. Be kind and stay fanboy. Adios.